Financial planning is more than just making you know a, a good living for yourself. It's about building these relationships. Today, we have Aaron Larinetto with us. Aaron is an advisor on our team. Putting yourself out of your comfort zone, believing in yourself and like believing in the work that you're doing, I think really helps you as an advisor. You got to believe in you know what you're presenting to clients, even as an advisor now. And I think a lot of people that decide to work with me, they are able to tell like we're, we're really genuine and we are we really believe in what we're presenting. The more time you have to invest, the more time you're going to give to let your to let your money work for you. Welcome to Dear Rochester. Retire well. Dive in. Be curious. Become prosperous. David Pulsini, CFP, his team, and his guests will help you figure out your six points and give you the ultimate roadmap to financial freedom and what to do from there. Now, let's get started. Here we go, man. Welcome back, folks. Dave Pulsini here. Today, we have Aaron Larinetto with us. How you doing, Aaron? Good, David. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. So you can find Aaron on LinkedIn or the six point website, six Aaron is an advisor on our team. We'll get into that and how he got here and all that fun stuff. But Aaron, I wanted to have you on today to talk about what you are doing, who you're working with, how you're helping those people. But first I want to back up and get a little background on you. So uh, yeah. where, where are you from originally? Yes. Yeah, so I'm from a small town in Connecticut called uh, Bridgewater, Connecticut. And uh, Bridgewater is a really small town. It's uh, in the populations like 1500 people. Um, So growing up, it was just uh, my parents and my younger brother, Daniel. Um, So grew up in Bridgewater. Um, You know, growing up, sports was a huge part of my life. So I, I started playing like basketball, baseball, soccer, like all the sports that you, um, you know, you play growing up here in the U.S. Um, and then when I got to the age of, I would say 13, 14, um, you know, I, I made the decision really to focus on just soccer. Cause that was really what I was most passionate about and was best at. Um, and so grew up playing soccer was like really my passion and what I was, um, you know, was super passionate about. And I ended up going to an all boys school in high school called South Kent and South Kent is a, is an all boys prep school. And I went there because they had a phenomenal soccer program specifically for, um, you know, getting, uh, you know, athletes to play, play in college eventually. And uh, kind of fast forwarding then, um, you know, I had a, uh, an opportunity to play D1 soccer, was a scholarship recipient. Um, my first three years of college, I went to a school called Florida Atlantic University uh, in Boca Raton, Florida, which... Uh, if people had watched the uh, the NCAA Final Four last year, they would have saw FAU as one of the uh, the Final Four teams. Um, but I finished my uh, college career uh, soccer wise and athletically, and obviously academically at uh, Temple University in uh, Philadelphia. So I started at FAU, finished at Temple. Um, so yeah, grew up playing soccer, and that, and that was a huge part of my my life just growing up, uh, kind of coming from an athletic background. So you you were in a town with fifteen hundred people. I have to ask this: could <laughs> could you have just stuck around at the school team and just been the the, the most dominant player ever? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, and that's what happened. Like my 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 first few years of high school, I did actually in public school. So my freshman and sophomore year, and um, yeah, we were we, we were really good. And I was like, you know, starting as a freshman, which was super rare on the on the varsity team at the at the public school system at that time. 
Um, but I knew like that wasn't necessarily going to be the best thing for my development as a, as a player. Um, just because, you know, you want to challenge yourself and you want to put yourself in the, the hardest environment. So, um, South Kent was really different. Like they are, you know, it, it, first of all, they get, you know, students and athletes from all over the world. So it was kind of very different than a public school. And then also they kind of set the system up. So it's meant to actually be like college prep in terms of the, you know, the, the time management of, you know, studying, traveling, playing soccer. Um, so it really, yeah, set me up, set me up well for going into college and, and playing D1 soccer. We'll be back after this short message. Do you know how much money you need to retire with confidence? Do you know how long your money will last? Are you missing something? Retirement planning is like a puzzle. And we want to make sure that not only do we have all of the pieces, but that the pieces are in the right place. To find out where you stand, go to sixpointfp.com and take our How Much Do You Need to Retire? five-question quiz. We will email you a free video response to let you know what we think. Now, back to the show. Uh, good for you, man. So, so okay. So, FAU, yes. then Temple, and then I think you continue down the road of the hardest challenge, and folks don't know this, how hard it is to get going in financial services from nothing. How, yeah. how did you get into that? Yeah, it's a funny story. So actually, at the time, so during my junior year at FAU, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her dad, he wasn't a financial advisor, but he owned um, some Allstate insurance offices. So doing like personal lines of insurance for uh, people in his community. And he was kind of, you know, telling me about what he does for work and how he has like this book of business. And, you know, it seems sort of interesting, like something I might want to do at some point. Um but going back, I was always more passionate about personal finance. Um, and so he actually introduced me to a, a, a longtime advisor, Northwest Mutual in the uh, Charlotte, North Carolina area. And the gentleman was kind enough to sit down with me and, and kind of tell me about what he does for work, being an advisor, what it entails, um, kind of the journey you know you, you go through as an advisor with your clients. And that really seemed like something I could see myself doing. So um, then in my I would think it was the 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 end of my junior year, and then going into my senior year, I started interviewing with a few of these firms. So, like some of the uh, the bigger insurance broker dealers, um, and eventually uh, got a got a job with um, with one of them. And uh, in my senior year at Temple, I actually went through the process of getting all my securities licenses. So I did my Series Seven, Sixty Six, the SIE at the time. I did my insurance licenses. And so I did that all in my spring semester of my senior year, whilst uh, still obviously taking normal classes as a student. Um, but that's how I got in the business. It was actually from uh, my girlfriend's dad at the time, and then um, figuring out like, hey, this is something I could see myself doing just based on my personality and what I'm interested in. And then um, yeah, interviewing with a few of the uh, the, the bigger insurance firms, and um, yeah, starting to get the uh, securities licenses um, coming out of my senior year. So you you started from scratch. Meaning like at most of these firms, we know this, like they'll make you make a list of like, hey, where's the hundred people, you know, and then you have to call them and email them relentlessly to sling them life insurance or something. Right. Um, yeah. how, how'd you get your first client? Do you remember? Yeah. First, first <laughs> client. So it's, it's funny because yeah, to your point, a lot of the, a lot of the insurance based firms, they don't really have any, any client acquisition, like workflows in place. It's more about, yeah, make a list of, you know, the, 
100 people, you know, 50 to 100 people that you know, right? And, and call them and try to set up a meeting with you and your manager. Um, but when you're a young advisor and, and you learn this over time, in my opinion, that's not really the best way to go about kind of building a practice because it's kind of taking a shortcut, right? You can only reach out to, you know, your family members once, right? Really. And, uh, you know, I think as a young advisor, you want to, you want to show people in your network that you're able to um, work with people and help people outside of your, you know, your traditional network. I think there's something really powerful about that. So um, at the firm I was working at at the time, a lot of the advisors just uh, got their clients through cold calling. Um, and so, you know, the first two months when I was at the firm, I was making anywhere from like 100 to upwards of 300 cold calls a day. And I was really bad in the beginning. I was I was I was really bad. And I was really nervous on the phone. And uh, I was reading off this script like line for line. Um, but after like two months, I, I, I got really good just through the repetition and, um, you know, learning how to kind of alter my, um, you know, my pitch on the phone. And so that was the, the that was the really the main way that I got clients at my first company was all through um, cold calling. And, um, you know, looking back, it's, uh, you know, it taught me a lot just around like hard work, learning it, you know, being able to embrace rejection and, um, you know, just the importance of being consistent and, and, and learning through the reps that you put in, um, you know, when you're, when you're doing things like doing things like prospecting. Um, so it, it taught me a lot, even though in the moment it, it wasn't fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm noticing a theme here, Aaron. You, you seem to like to do things the hard way. The, uh, yeah. Do you remember your script? Do you remember that original script at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It, it was something like, "Hey, this is Aaron from XYZ Firm. Um, we work with a lot of people at XYZ Company." So obviously, I knew the, I knew the. Uh, you get like the, the directory or something. <laughs> yeah, I knew the I knew the person that I was calling at what company they worked for. So I would yeah. say something like, "Hey, we work with XYZ Firm on financial planning and investments." And I would just say, hey, I, you know, we, we reach out, you know, every once in a while to set up an introductory call to see if we could be of a, a value to you at some point. And um, that was basically the pitch. It was very simple and, um, you know, very, very kind of, yeah, just very simple. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it so we could warn the listeners that are working at those companies. Like, <laughs> hey, if you get this call, look, look because yeah. I'm like, okay, what, what, what value do you, what do you do? You're at what company? That's funny. Good for you. We don't want to waste our time on that, Aaron. So when yep. you you started at that firm, obviously you're not there anymore. Mm-hmm. Then what happened? Actually, I because you're not going to say this, so I I'll, yeah. I'll ask you to say it. Um, how'd you do there? Yeah, what so you- I was there for about eighteen months, and I started in the summer because I graduated obviously in the spring of 2019, mm-hmm. and the first year there. So my first six months. I finished the, the the year only working six months as the as the number ten advisor, first year advisor in the in the in the entire company. Um, I left my second year, and I left at at that time. I was the number one second year advisor in the entire company in terms of production credits uh, is what is what they call um, call it. And um, yeah, so to answer your question, then I had an opportunity. This was during COVID to move back down to Boca actually and work for a large um, brokerage firm that uh, I would say a lot of people have probably had a 401k within the past. So um, I I worked there then for just under two years uh, working as an advisor. Um, And my experience there just from the offset was much different than my first firm, the insurance firm, because, you know, when you work at 
the insurance firms, a lot of times, like as a new advisor, you know, you need to be trained, right? You need to be taught to do like, you know, financial planning and how to get clients. And the training at those companies tends to be very product based. It tends to be like, hey, this is what we offer and this is how to kind of present it to people. But actually, my experience on the training side at the uh, at the brokerage firm was much better. Like they actually had a process around, hey, this is what you do when you meet with a client. And this is our kind of philosophy around investing and um, kind of a whole uh, playbook around like how they think about things from a, a broader financial planning standpoint. Um, so it was a it was a it was a good experience in, in terms of the training, in terms of the 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 onboarding. Like there was like a three month training program where they won't even let you talk to a client until you actually went through the training, which I thought was actually a good thing um, because they wanted all the advisors to kind of be synchronized in terms of you know their beliefs and what they were saying to their their customers. So um, there, I had. I would say I had anywhere from 400 to 500 clients. So when you work at these big brokerage firms, you basically get this big book of business and it's kind of a it's kind of a random group of clients in that demographic area. And your goal there is really to engage these clients and to kind of position the wealth management division of the firm and get those clients to switch from being like a, a you know a self-directed retail investor who might open up account on their on their own to eventually transitioning them to like the wealth management uh, division of the of the firm. So that was really my job was to engage these self-directed clients and to uh, present the value add of um, you know the wealth management arm in the advisory arm of the uh, the firm I was working at. So you okay, I want to own a back way up. You're <laughs> You're the number one advisor at a very large insurance broker dealer. And again, Aaron's not going to say this for the listeners out there. Uh, there are hundreds of them. And that is a, a very high, I'll say high level or crazy accomplishment. Um, so, and, and I know for a fact, when you're in that environment, they're treating you like you are the greatest thing ever because they love you at that you're on, point. You're on so, <laughs> that's right. You're on every leaderboard. You're you're crushing it. You're You're one of the new people. You're up and yep. coming. What made you leave that to go to the other place? Most people don't want to leave that, especially at the age you were at at that time. Yeah, no, I was I was obviously younger than I am now, you know, right out of college making, you know, a, a, a very nice income for myself. Um, but I think when I reflect back on why I made that change, it was kind of this thought process around every year to some sort of an extent I have to like start over in terms of like this leaderboard and um, you know the, the the production you know the the PCs and kind of how you're doing on those metrics and being you know incentivized to recommend the companies like proprietary stuff all the time. Um, when I thought about you know what I wanted my career to look like 10, 20 years from you know that point, I didn't really want it to look like that. I, I wanted it to be one where you know I could offer clients. You know what was in their best interest, and kind of have a, a broader open architecture around how we could plan with them, how we could you know create a strategy for their um, for their harder and retirement savings. So that was kind of the moment that that was when I was having a moment of like, all right, like, do I really want to be doing this like um, basically sales job? Um, you know, my whole whole career, and um, yeah, so that 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 was kind of the main reason why I, I ended up. Uh, leaving, despite the fact that, yeah, like you said, I was doing very well, you know, was making very good money. Uh, but um, 
yeah, I knew there was something more to kind of what I was doing. There, there, there was something yeah. more on the other side. So it was kind of the same at, at the the last place. They they hand you four or five hundred names, phone numbers. You have balances. Probably pretty. I don't want to say it's e- it's never easy, but so much easier than starting from nothing and cold calling companies. Yeah, but, and I'm sure they were paying you a nice salary in Boca. They, they had to right and mm-hmm. to keep yeah. you around. So then you decided to move on from there to go yeah. to the independent world. What made you leave a nice, comfortable salary in Boca to want to become an independent advisor? Yeah, there was. I would say mainly two things that resonated with me after doing the job for close to two years. I think number one was, and I tell clients this now, um, you know, when when I meet with a new prospect, but um, the service model at those companies, just because of the sheer volume of clients you're working with, in my opinion, like as a customer, like it's it's not really the best experience because when you're an advisor and you have like 500 clients, like you can only meet with each client maybe once or twice a year, right? And when you think about all the different financial planning opportunities out there. There's a lot of things that go missed in that sort of a practice when you're um, when you're mostly just you know kind of presenting managed money all the time. There's a lot more that goes into financial planning, and so I saw just in terms of like the service and the ways I was you know working with these clients, there was a lot of things I could be doing more, but it just wasn't in the compensation structure. It wasn't in the model of the firm. So that was one thing, and then also I got to a point where I was like. All right, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing a really good job. I'm getting like, you know, anywhere from, you know, I was doing like anywhere from, you know, fifty to a hundred million a, a year in terms of managed managed accounts at the firm, and I was like, you know, if I do this even a fraction um, on the independent mm-hmm. side, I think there's a few things that are going to happen. Number one, I'm going to be more, I'm going to be happier because I can actually not just have to recommend the company's proprietary managed account, but I can really build strategies around client preferences and what their goals are um and then also you know the uh yeah just just the service around that uh that was something that really inspired me um and then the last thing was the ability for me to build equity in my own skill set right i i kind of was reflecting on all right i'm doing like really good work i'm doing a great job at this company but i want to build equity and i want to have some sort of control over the clients I work with, who I who I decide to serve, and um, yeah, ultimately like build equity in myself and my own skill sets that I felt like I was like you know building a lot of momentum and you know it was kind of taking one step back to make two steps forward in hindsight because like you said I was you know making a nice comfortable salary living in a super nice area of South Florida, but I knew if I took that risk then. You know that was the time to do it because I had like a couple years where I could ramp up and transition. Um, you know, starting from zero, but then building up a a practice that I controlled and clients that I really wanted to work with too. That was something that was important to me. Um, so th- those were some of the main uh, main reasons why you know I left that specific opportunity. Um, I would say it was mostly because of yeah the the size of the clients, the service I was not able to give them in that environment. And then also building equity in myself and deciding like who I wanted to work with and the ability to be, you know, unbiased with clients and, you know, structuring things, you know, with their best interest in mind. So you're, if you could go back and give the uh, 22 year old Aaron who was in the grind, I mean, we're, we're always working, right? But like you were really in it then. 
If you yep. give that 22 year old Aaron some advice, knowing what you know now, what would that be? Yeah, I think the, the 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 main things that stick out to me are putting yourself out of your comfort zone. So, like reflecting on my journey, you know, at the firm that I was at previously to Six Point, I was very comfortable, right? I was very comfortable, and um, it would have been easy for me to stay there, you know, have a 30, 40 year career, make a lot of money, save a lot of money, and retire very comfortably. But I figured that. Yeah, financial planning is 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 more than just making you know a, a good living for yourself. It's about building these relationships, and so I made that decision to get out of my comfort zone and uh, you know basically start from scratch and um, go independent. So I think getting yourself out of your comfort zone, whether it's you know taking risks like that or you know making that call to you know a prospective client, um, reaching out to people like that, that's something that's really helped me is like being comfortable being uncomfortable that that's really helped me and then also i would say just like believing in your abilities right like you got to believe in in what you're doing and you got to believe in you know what you're presenting to clients even as an advisor now and i think a lot of people that decide to work with me they are able to tell like we're we're really genuine and we are we really believe in what we're presenting right it's not just like hey we're presenting this you know this product and this is what it's going to do for you we're presenting like something much bigger than that, that, that really helps clients in all the different areas of their financial journey. So believing in yourself and like believing in the work that you're doing, I think really helps you as an advisor, um, just in terms of, you know, the message you're trying to get across. Yeah. You, it seems, uh, if you don't have a tattoo that says intentional discomfort right now, you <laughs> should go get one. The it's, it's like each step along the way you would, you, it sounds like, I mean, you, you've done this, you've taken an intentional step, what would seem to be backward yep. to get infinitely further ahead. I think each step and, uh, and that's where you're headed now. The The other thing is, yeah, you're not selling the product anymore. You sell, you, we sell the process. You plug into the process and the exactly. system. And that is very different than, Hey, we have the greatest investment product ever. And this is why it fits everybody. It's you plug into the process and the system and then we just execute and pe- people love that. Um, so let's talk about what you're doing now. I, I, I could keep you forever talking about that stuff. But uh, so independent, doing your thing, selling the process, we'll call it. Uh, who, who are you working with now? And I would say just followed up with what are you doing for those folks? Yeah. So, you know, when I made that transition um, coming to Six Point, I really wanted to have a like a niche group of clients that I was going to be working with and serving and building these relationships with. And I thought that was something really important, especially as a younger advisor, kind of having a target market that you're going after and not just being kind of a one size fits all advisor. Um, so I made the decision and this actually part of it goes back to my my, my first firm, the insurance firm. Um, and then the second part of the clients that I work with now uh, was something that I I started at six point. But the vast majority of my clients, I would say 80 to 85% of them are Temple alumni. So uh, folks that went to Temple really all across the country. So focusing on people that have like a shared experience as me, being an alumni of Temple, kind of having that, like I said, shared experience, I thought was something really powerful and helping those people and, um, you know, building those relationships within that community. Um, was something that I thought, you know, hey, this could really not just help me grow within the alumni community and, um, you know, build out my own little Temple alumni network. But um, 
also help people that you know went to Temple with their finances and, and their financial planning. So that makes up a vast majority of the clients I work with. And then the other, I would say, you know, 15, 20%, it goes back to when I was at AXA, I, I got a lot of clients that were in the insurance industry. So they were in the risk management space, um, primarily property casualty insurance, commercial insurance, uh, reinsurance. Um, and it's funny because Temple actually has a really, really strong risk management program. So actually, a lot of the clients that you know I end up working with that went to Temple are also in the risk management industry. Um, but also, like I said, I do have you know a, a nice amount of clients that are um, you know executives at you know these property casualty larger um, insurance firms, and so those two have kind of been the niche markets that I've stuck with, and that's allowed me to really kind of understand like how these. Um, specifically on the insurance, like how they're compensated, the different problems they run into in financial planning. It might be, you know, it might be um, deferred compensation plans. It might be, you know, the employee stock purchase plans that they have, and even like the specific four hundred one ks of these companies. I've become very familiar with them, and like, you know, what are the different options for investments? Can you do after tax contributions? Um, all these different kind of tweaks um, that are different, you know, plan to plan. Um, it's really helped me become familiar with uh, you know the leading companies in that industry on the insurance industry and some of the problems that they face um, financially in terms of planning and, and needing advice and guidance. Yeah, you're and you you meet your clients virtually, obviously. Yep. But now you're where are you now? <laughs> yeah, so I'm living in uh, living in New York City, which has been nice because I've been able to uh, meet some of my clients face to face now that live in the the Northeast. And um, yeah, really, I, I I did that to be closer to family, um, and also for what I what I just said is like a lot of my clients are in this kind of you know the, the Northeast, Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut. Um, so we're able to meet in person, and even the clients that I have that are you know maybe in the West Coast or living in um, the South, you know, people come in and out of New York a lot for work or for you know personal. So I felt like it was a nice kind of centralized hub where. A lot of my clients might be coming in and out of uh, once or twice a year, so it'd be a nice way for me to kind of be there when they're there and have an opportunity to sit down with these people, meet them, and not you know not do everything through Zoom, which is obviously very efficient. Um, but definitely, like for building relationships, you know, there's something valuable in you know shaking someone's hand and you know <laughs> talking to them in person. There's someone in Arizona listening right now saying, "How is New York City Central, Aaron?" But I know <laughs> we get it, we get it. Um, yep. So. The you're meeting. Let's throw this out there. You're meeting with a Temple alumni. They have a great income. Mm-hmm. Give me like the top two. Like I know, I know there's a lot more. You could give me 15 of these things, but let's just give two. And it'll it'll also leave the folks wanting more from you, Aaron. So this is a <laughs> let's yeah. just do. What are the top two things that you are seeing, or maybe that people are missing? That after meeting with you, you are then saying like, "Hey, let's do this because of this." What? Give me a couple of those. Yeah, I would say the first one is like an overall saving strategy. So what I find a lot of times is people will come to us and we'll put together, you know, a financial plan. We'll, we'll profile them. We'll get to understand kind of their, you know, their balance sheet or net worth. We'll profile their their overall picture. And a lot of times I see like people have all these different accounts, right? They might have worked at different companies and they've accumulated all these different accounts at maybe different custodians and different institutions. 
And there's no real strategy of like how it all comes together and how this is going to set you up for success when you want to retire earlier, when you want to do, you know, this financial goal that you have in the future. So a big example is, um, you know, something that we call like the three bucket strategy. And that's the three buckets of, you know, tax-free accounts, tax-deferred accounts, and then taxable accounts. And that becomes really valuable, especially for folks that want to retire early, because as most people know, you know, you can only typically take money out of these 401k accounts, traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs when you're 59 and a half. So I think it's becoming more and more critical for people to build up that after-tax bucket or, you know, like an after-tax brokerage account. So they can use that as a bridge to let them, you know, to do the things that they want to do before 59 and a half without having to, you know, take a penalty and, and pay taxes on the uh, on the qualified accounts. So I think like showing clients where they're currently set up in terms of that tax diversification and then implementing a new strategy and a proposed strategy around, you know, being diversified and how that's going to work to provide income for these folks when they, you know, do want to eventually step away from working, um, you know, full time. That's one thing. And then I think the other thing, I think the other thing that I try to try to really educate people on is like how important time is, right? Like time is the most valuable thing, not just in your personal life, but also like when you invest, right? Because the more time you have to invest, the more time you're going to give to let your to let your money work for you. So especially for those clients that I that I talk to that are in that wealth building phase, anywhere from like 30 to 50. I try to have them save as much as they can because we just know historically that that money is 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 going to, you know, that $1 you invest when you're 30 could be worth 20 or $30 by the time you're 65. So I really focus on like how much people are saving per year. I try to get clients to a certain threshold and I think clients really appreciate that and they appreciate that education around, you know, it's not what you make, it's what you keep and how powerful that is when you have um, time still on your side. So I would say those are the two main things. There's obviously way more that I could, I could go into, oh, yeah. but those are, some of the, those are some of the ones that I think are really critical, like how much you're saving and then where are you deploying the savings, right? Are you just putting it into a 401k or are you actually diversifying across, um, you know, tax buckets? I like it. The, the other thing that I find with high income earners is most of them, you're not stepping right in and making, I don't know, $700,000, but over time you're getting there. And which, what we find is saving, there, there's caps on the pre-tax investments, right? So if I'm saving $22,500 in a 401k and I'm making 700,000, well, I'm pretty much maxed out by February. What else do I do with my money? So that after-tax bucket becomes even more important. Um, so Aaron, it, I mean, those are great. Again, you you could do a lot more. We could keep talking about this for hours. I just wanted to get this thing done so the folks could meet you. We could send this yep. out to the people that you're meeting with. But uh, how could people find you if, if they're trying to get a hold of you? Obviously, the website. I mean, that's yeah, the, web, the website. Yeah, website. LinkedIn is great. I I I you know I, I I'm on LinkedIn every day pretty much, and um, you know I meet people through LinkedIn all the time that went to Temple or work in the insurance industry. Um, but yeah, I would say LinkedIn and then the website, you know, emailing me, alertedo at 6.fp.com. Um, you know, I check emails every day. So you're all over. So uh, one thing I do want to know from the listener, is it niche or is it niche, Aaron? Because there are no riches and niches. But you said niche. <laughs> we'll leave it there, Aaron. Let's uh, let, yeah. let the folks think about that. Uh, make it a great day. Make it a great day. See ya. 
Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints and analysis of six-point financial partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by six-point financial partners or RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA, CPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, six-point financial partners and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.